is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. eyes unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and we are continuing our series today on well the the thing that i didn't think we would be talking about and that's the apostles creed okay so going forward so what are we going to do now okay so we we've if you're new to this show in the last two episodes we talked about the first couple lines of the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and yesterday we discussed i believe in jesus christ god's only son our lord and yeah it took the entire episode to unpack those words and there are reasons for all of that, and if you missed any of that, please go back to the beginning of the series and check that out. Okay, so today we are going to talk about the next couple lines, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And it's very appropriate to be talking about this right now as I'm recording this in the Advent season. These are two of the most contentious things that I get asked about in public. When people realize that I am a Christian and that I actually believe my faith, the two most commonly asked questions are, do you believe, so you actually believe Jesus was born of a virgin and do you actually believe he rose again from the dead? So that latter one, we're going to talk about when we get to that part of the creed, but Today, we're going to talk about this one. And yes, I, I do believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. And I want to unpack this in two parts. So we're going to start with conceived of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about the Virgin Mary and the virgin birth after the break. Okay, so this is so contentious for people today because I don't think people understand belief. This is one of the reasons why in the first episode on this series, I spent quite a bit of time talking about the term believe. Credo, I believe. When I'm using this term and say I believe, I don't feel that I have to explain to you whether I believe that these phrases are literally true or figuratively true. I believe that they are true. They are 100% true. I believe that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, and I can already hear some of you out there who are more scientifically minded going, oh, well, I, you, you know that that's not physically possible. I, I don't care. I really don't. That's not the point of any of this for me. 
And if I'm being boldly honest with you, yeah, I, I do believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I really do believe these stories to be literally true because I do believe that there is a God and I do believe that there is a God who acts in human affairs. I, I do believe that that is true. But I don't think that that is necessary to believe this part of the creed. Was Jesus conceived of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Most definitely. Jesus was different. So different from the people who surrounded him. And I'm not just saying that because of the tradition that developed around him. I'm saying that because it's true. He wasn't the only person who was traveling around Judea in that period claiming to be the Messiah. There were actually quite a few. And we remember Jesus today in a way that we don't remember the others. And I think that's for a reason. I think it's because of the marked difference in him that, to me, proves this line, that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He wasn't born like the rest of us. And what do I mean by that? Well, there were numerous healers going around in Judea at this period of time. In fact, there are actually still shrines in Israel to this day. And I believe, well, I don't know about Syria anymore with the Civil War, but you know, in that region that were dedicated to first century healers. And that did not make him unique. You know, today we tend to look at that and think that that was a fairly, you know, differentiating point about him. It wasn't. that They were common. They, they existed all over the place. It also wasn't uncommon for people to proclaim themselves the Messiah, which Jesus did do. That was not unique either. The thing that made Jesus so different, and to me proves this idea that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, is that unlike the other teachers that were around at his at the time he walked the earth, Jesus was suffused with compassion. And we can't say that about a lot of the other teachers and a lot of the others who claimed to be messiahs around this time. Many of them were warlike and really did feed into the very common idea of the period that the waited for Messiah would bring about a physical kingdom into the world. And what we can see from the Jesus movement is that he didn't believe that. He didn't think he was going to overthrow the Romans with force. He didn't believe that he was going to set up a physical kingdom in this world. The Jesus that we have record of, and we can see this even in the non-canonical Gospels, which show variant offshoots of people writing about their version of what they wanted Jesus to be. And all of them have certain core concepts within them. And I think that those are instructive because they help us kind of make sure that we understand the actual core message 
that Jesus taught. He believed that the kingdom of God was a spiritual thing and that it could be possessed by all people. And he had, if you really want to be honest about this, no right to think any of this at all. He had no right to run around preaching compassion. You know, we don't, especially in Christian circles, don't talk a lot about the historical context in which Jesus was raised. But Jesus was raised in Nazareth. And from Nazareth, you could see the city of Sepphoris. Sepphoris was a large city in Jesus's day. In fact, we're told that Jesus's father, Joseph, was a carpenter, which means he probably built or helped build Sepphoris or worked there to make an income for his family. And it's possible that Jesus went to Sepphoris on numerous occasions. One of these Messiah figures that I'm talking about was holed up in Sepphoris. But Jesus would have known what happened to people who claimed to be the Messiah because the Romans believed that the emperor was the son of God, that he was a god on earth, and there could not be another divine king under Rome. And so they would kill anyone who made such claims. Jesus would have lived through the sacking of Sepphoris. He would have probably gone there and worked with his father to help rebuild it. He didn't... There's nothing in, his exper in the experience of the Roman world that should have kept him from being hardened like many of his compatriots who not only preached war but proclaimed themselves king and raised armies very often failed armies throughout Judea at the time but he was different this child growing up in this Roman world under occupation who according to the stories that we have recorded in the Gospels, started his life as a refugee and then later was brought back to Nazareth after the death of Herod. This would have affected him in a profound way. But again, when you look at his, you know, the people of his day and age, they... The idea that Jesus would say, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Do good for those who despitefully use you. That is such, I mean, we don't realize the power phrases like that had in his day and age. One, because when he quotes the love your neighbor and hate your enemy, that's a quote from the Torah. That's a quote from the Mosaic law. He's basically saying Moses was wrong. Don't hate your enemies. Love them. And he preached this radical compassion in a world that really didn't know or understand that way of thinking. The early Christian movement is often compared to the Essenes in the Dead Sea 
But if you actually read the Dead Sea Scrolls, the gardener, their messianic figure who called them into the desert and who would one day lead them into the war against the sons of darkness as the sons of light, bear that in mind what that means. They believed that they were preparing for war. They were keeping themselves ritually pure so that when the armies of heaven came down into the world, they would be able to fight alongside them and not be seen as the enemy. And when you actually read the Dead Sea Scrolls, they couldn't be more different than the early Christian community, which lived, one, communally. They sold everything and gave the money to the community and paid for each other's expenses. So that is very different from the Essenes. They also preached this radical compassion and this near pacifism. The recorded incident of the first martyr, St. Stephen, while he said a lot of inflammatory things, and one could point out that he kind of incited the crowd that ended up stoning him to death, he didn't fight back. Neither did any of the other Christians that were around when this happened. Because Jesus didn't fight back. Jesus lived what he taught. He lived this radical compassion. In fact, on the cross, he prayed for those who tormented him and who nailed his body up and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This Jesus was not acting in accord with human nature, especially as it presented itself in Judea under Roman occupation in the first century. I don't, I personally don't know what further proof anyone would need to know and to see that this, this man, Jesus, was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born from the heart of compassion and it burned in him to the point where he turned himself over rather than raise an army to fight for him when the soldiers came and we'll talk about this more when we actually talk about the death burial and resurrection of christ but when the soldiers came for him he told he told peter to put down his sword the other candidates the other people who put themselves forward as messiah in his day and age would have fought jesus didn't jesus saw a different way and it's that radical compassion as gamaliel is recorded as saying in the book of acts leave them alone if they are not of god then the movement will die out and it will go away but if they are it will live on this radical way of thinking, to me, is proof that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was different than the rest of us. We'll continue after the break. Welcome back. I, I'm not sure if you agree with my way of seeing things or not, but, you know, I, I'm just here to, you know, say what I believe. And... Maybe to, you know, enlighten you, at least on my way of thinking the, these questions through. So the second part of this is born of the Virgin Mary. 
Now this, like I said, is so contentious because people want to start talking about biology and exactly how did this work and how did this come about. And once you start asking questions like that, you have left the world of faith. I mean, you really have. And I don't care if you're a Christian apologist or an atheist agnostic or a member of a different faith trying to disprove Christianity. We're not here to talk about how this came about. And in fact, I would say some of the biggest problems in history in the Christian church have arisen from people trying too hard to answer this question. You know, Valentinus, who, while he had some very interesting and notable things to say, part of what made him a heresy is he spent so much time trying to answer the question of how Jesus came into the world without being tainted by it, that he ended up lessening the life and sacrifice of Christ. So, yeah, that I, I don't think that that's valuable for anyone to spend their time really trying to work out. I mean, you know, if you want to play with it, play with it, but it's not going to bring anything of value into the discussion. So having said that, let's take a look at what is, what, what then does it mean to be born of the Virgin Mary? Well, this is a place where we can talk about a lot of things. I could go off into a diatribe about, you know, St. Anne and Joachim, her parents, and Mary as a person, and the Immaculate Conception, and, and, and. And, you know, to be quite honest, I'm actually recording this on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, so I am tempted to do that. But, you know, I'm trying to stick to the topic at hand. We're talking about the creed, and that's not in the creed. Um, but yeah, Joseph Campbell, to me, I think, phrased this the best way I've ever heard. And it's one of those things that's really stood with me over the years. And it goes into what I was saying earlier about being conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born from the fourth chakra. He was born from the heart. He was born from compassion. He wasn't born through the baser, lower chakras. So he wasn't from the root. He wasn't from any of the, any of the ones that came before. He was born from the heart, and that's what made him different. We can see this very idea in the story of the Buddha, who was also born from the side of his mother. He then took seven steps immediately after that and started talking. Um, it's a beautiful story. If you haven't read it, I, I highly recommend that you look up the birth of the Buddha. It's a beautiful story. But there's a reason why figures like Jesus and the Buddha, these historical figures, are given miraculous births. It's because they're different from us in a significant way. He was born untainted by the world around him. And so I I have no problem saying that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary because he was. <laughs> Mary was his mother. But beyond that, he, as we've been talking about, he was not tainted by the world around him. He did not live in the milieu of 
pain, torment, and violence that was Roman-occupied Judea. He was born from the heart. He was born from this place of pure and utter compassion. He was conceived in the Immaculate Heart of Mary and was raised, probably without his father, because even the Gospels don't mention his father after he's about 12. So it's a part of tradition that Joseph died when he was young. And just tradition aside, you can infer from the text that Joseph died when he was young and he was raised by his mother and would have lived with her in her house and in her home. In fact, Mary is one of the few people that is there for all of the major parts of his life. She was there at the Annunciation. She was there when he was born. She was there at the wedding of Cana when he performed his first miracle. She was there at the cross. She was there at the Last Supper. She was there at the resurrection. She was there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. And yes, I'm a Marianist, and I could go off on a tangent here about Mary, and I'm trying not to. You know, she was there through everything. And she was one of his last concerns on the cross. She asked, you know, Jesus asked John to take care of his mother. He's dying. He's got nails in his wrists and in his ankles. He's suffocating. He had just been scourged. And he's thinking about his mother. Our mother. And this to me is the important part out of this. I believe, yes, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, but I believe that we are also born of the Virgin Mary. She is the new Ark of the Covenant. She is the matrix of God in which humanity and divinity are merged to become one thing. She is the blessed, immaculate heart in which we learn how to live like her son. Yes, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, just as we are born of the Virgin Mary. It's in her arms that we learn to love. It's in her heart that we learn to live. We do everything with her in her, through her and by her. And if you actually go back to the earlier episodes of the podcast, I actually did an entire week about devotion to Mary. And I highly recommend that you check that out and get caught up with what I'm talking about there, because I'm not going to go into full detail in this episode, because I've already done that. But yeah, I mean, like I've said so many times, there's too much focus on historicity when we're talking about these stories. And this always upsets people when I say that because, you know, atheists that are friends of mine say, well, you're trying to get out of answering the question by not talking about it through a critical historical method. And of course, Christians get upset with me because they're like, well, then you're denying the historical events. I don't think historicity matters on something that happened 2000 years ago. Because whether it historically happened or not, the question is, does it affect me today? Because if 
it happened 2000 years ago and it has no practical effect on me now in 2018 when I'm recording this, then it really doesn't matter at all. And that's the thing. I think it does matter. The virgin birth of Christ is what gives me hope that I can be born again. See, Jesus says that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I believe that I can and have been born again. And like Jesus, I have been born of the Virgin Mary. I've been conceived of the Holy Spirit. I can now grow in faith as part of the body of Christ in this world spreading Christ's message in this world. And I can see the fruit of that in my own life. I can see how I have changed and grown over time and how my rougher edges have been ground smooth. Not all of them. I still have my problems, and I'm not going to say that I don't, but they have gotten better over time. I have seen the fruit of the virgin birth affect me, change me, change my life and how I live it and how I relate to other people and how I interact with the world. And to be honest, that's all that really matters. Whether or not something happened 2,000 years ago, we can debate and we can talk about all night long And we'll never convince each other either way. And it really doesn't matter because if it's just something 2,000 years ago or longer, there's there's a lot of good evidence that Jesus was born in 4 BC, which would make it, you know, 2,002 years ago as I'm recording this. That, that, That doesn't affect me now. But I have in my own experience been changed through my faith. I have, through my own experience, been changed because of my relationship with Jesus and because of my relationship with the Virgin Mary. And in that relationship with the Blessed Mother and with our Lord, I have grown and developed and become a better person, and I have seen that heart of compassion get born in me that we see in Mary's Immaculate Heart and Jesus' Sacred Heart, which burns with love for all the world. I have seen that happen in my own life. And because of that experience, I cannot help but believe that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary because I have been. And if I have been, and I know others who have been, how can I deny that that was possible for him? And how can I deny that that would be possible for him in a way that's so far beyond my understanding or comprehension? I, I, I believe. You know, faith is not what everyone says it is. The writer of the book of Hebrews makes it very clear. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Right? It is the substance of things not seen. I don't have to know for 100% because 
we were able to track down all of these things because people get this backwards. I don't have faith and therefore I believe this. I have experienced the evidence that this happened. And because of that, I believe I have, I have benefited from the virgin birth. And because I have benefited from the virgin birth, because I have that evidence of the unseen, I now have faith. Do you see how that works? It's not the other way around. It's not, well, you don't know that it happened, so you just blindly believe, you just blindly have faith. No, no, no. I have faith because I have seen the power of God to help me be born again, to help me find hope when all things seems hopeless, for me to find compassion in my heart. I have seen the power of God be able to move in me to change me and to grant me the virgin birth to grant me this ability to have the Holy Spirit within. And because I have experienced those unseen things, I have faith that Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And that's how I see it. <laughs> I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have, please share it with others that you think would benefit from this, especially during this time as we're going through Advent and, of course, any time of year whenever you happen to come upon this episode. If the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or this podcast, please do that. That really helps out a lot. It tells the algorithms that they should share me with other people and helps me to get this message out. It really does help a lot. If you have a couple dollars, you could throw my way. Depending on the app you're listening to me on, there'll either be a button that says support on Anchor or in the show notes, there'll be a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support me at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money goes to me. It helps me to free up time in my schedule so that I can record these shows and make resources for you on the Wisdom's Cry website. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter. You can also follow me on Facebook. You can find links to both of those at wisdomscry.com. And before I go, I, I just want to say I hope that these are helpful for you. And if you have any questions, please send them to me. I, I would love to answer them. If you'd like to send me a voice ma message, if you go to anchor.fm and download the app and follow me at Wisdom Cry, Wisdom's Cry on there, there'll be a voice message button. If you click that, you can leave a one-minute message. It can be a question, a comment, or a topic you would like me to talk about. For one of my other podcasts, I have people that do that from time to time, and it's really cool to be able to, you know, talk to the questions that you all have. So keep it clean and... It might, I might use it on the show. So thank you so very, very much. And thank you for your time until next time. May God bless you and keep you and keep you ever growing in wisdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>